Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Osiris. Wow. 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 You just snuck that right up on me. How are you? Just doing fine. Doing fine. We are uh, here. It's Brian and myself, and um, we have a guest who's going to join us extremely soon. And um, he's he's well known to longtime HF Pod listeners, so you have to stay tuned. Um, the best guest. The best. Brian, how are you? I'm okay, RJ. I've got um, I just pulled out spare ribs from the freezer. They're thawing out. Those are going to go in the oven, and then they're going to go on the grill. We're going to move the TV outside and we're going to watch the Nuggets game and we're going to listen to some jams. It's just, we're, we're at the onset of a Friday night. I'm very excited about it. That's awesome. And you're not going to any concerts tonight? Not tonight. Um, I've been talked, I've been, um, let's say, what's what's the word for it? Uh, Ryan Storm has accosted me. He has a... Tr- The Trey Trio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, are you gonna, but you're not doing it. I'm doing it Saturday, Sunday, not tonight. Okay. They're playing three nights? Three nights. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, crazy. Who even knew that? Who even knew that? Not me. But I knew that there, were some, there was something happening this weekend. But I know that you were in trouble for not going tonight. So <laughs> I hope you get out of trouble. Um, before, we, before we start, I want to tell you guys that um, we've been talking on this podcast about well, actually, maybe it was just last week or maybe it was multiple weeks, but we have talked about the fact that there are, there's nowhere where I could find all the live bait tracks that have been released, particularly in 2000, because I knew there were a bunch. And then I, so I, this week I created a spreadsheet that lists out every live bait track by year. And uh, it's a spreadsheet. I'll link to it in the show notes. I posted about it on fish.net. Um, 
I even separated out the mics, the hydrogen, the weak apog. So, you know, so Jonathan can go and listen to every I am hydrogen um, <laughs> that was released on live bait starting in 1991. Well I debated, done. I debated whether to take everything off post post 2000, like everything that's available on live fish, but you know, I guess you might, might as well keep them on there. Right. There's a lot, you know, and it feels Since like kind of, through- a, it feels, it feels not fair that live bait tracks get taken up by things that have already been released, but you know, I'm not the, I'm not the arbiter of this. I was going to say like, at least they do the remastering, which is nice, but what are your thoughts on getting, you know, like a 2017 track on a live bait when you know, and I know that there's like a 1998 track that they could have found or a 95 track. What What is your take on that? I mean, I think they, they should, <laughs> my take, which I assume is similar to every other fish fan is that every live bait track should only be things that have not already been released to the public. Right. <laughs> the only reason I think it's justifiable is that, uh, you know, I think you're the same way. I'm a big defender of 3.0. I think that the last, yeah. co- you know, going on 15 years of post hiatus, hiatus. Yes. Brian's going to come back to us at the end of the sentence. Um, all right. So while Brian's catching up, <laughs> While Brian's catching up, I'm going to tell you guys about one quick thing, which is if you're going to be at the MSG shows this August, um, on Sunday, August 6th, the day after the last MSG show, we are going to have, I think, I think this is definitely happening. We're going to have an HF pod 10th anniversary party and, um, it'll be in New York city and I'm, I'm kind of finalizing the venue and all that, but save the date for August 6th, Sunday, if you're going to be in New York for the fish shows or if you're going to be in New York generally, or if you're in the area, we're going to have some music. We're going to have a bunch of friends there and um, it's going to be fun. All right. So Brian's going to join back again in a sec, but um, one of our friends on Twitter, uh, Captain Incredible, talked a little bit about this show. So we're covering 3-3-2001 tab and um, we'll get into the show, of course, but um, the Captain Incredible on, on Twitter said that um, it was a nicely polished basketball court style wood floor, um, dual level horseshoe shaped stands, no rear stage. And the soundboard was in the back center of the floor and he was just behind the soundboard in the lower, in front of the lower level bowl. Um, this is part of course of this spring 2001 tour that Trey was on and man, it was pretty intense. There were so many, so many amazing shows and this, this is just like Trey really just, just basically ripping. Um, so it's, uh, it's going to be fun to, to dive back into it, but, um, Hey Brian, can you hear me? I can hear you. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm back. I'm, I'm going to have a lot of words with, uh, Verizon wireless after this, uh, <laughs> after this recording, but it's all- live, live TV, live show business guys. It's all happening right now. Here we are. You got to You got to improvise. I was just saying that this, so this three, three, 2001, we got a couple, um, Twitter comments from people who were there. So I was just kind of running through that, but we're in the middle of this really like kind of intense winter tour where there's, there's a lot of going on here. I mean, these shows are raging. Trey is just like, I mean, it, he sounds really kind of incredible, but maybe we should talk Brian first about like 2001 generally. So the, you know, obviously fish stops right in, October of 2000 and then they just like I I guess everyone kind of goes their separate ways but Trey you know 
just a couple of months later, he's back. He's back on the road with with the band. And this this tab is this tab um, outfit here is is pretty sweet. But he basically hits the road like three months after they break up. Yeah, I feel like I feel a lot thinking about this and thinking about 2001 in general with with regards to the fish universe because we spent the last two episodes talking about how the band sounded still inspired like i think we both really liked aspects of the 99 and 2000 shows and like i love aspects of 2000 it's been a year that's really grown on me as a listener but you can kind of hear especially listening to this that there is a not necessarily a boredom not necessarily he's tired but there's there's like a need for something like trey is such an energetic creative guy that um you know he he needs a project that's got this like fire that's working really really quickly and working um you know there's there's an immediacy to it and there's new ideas being thrown out new perspectives and and you know stuff that's throwing him off and he's got to figure his way back you know back to like the center and then how do we expand that again and I feel like you hear almost immediately in this show that energetic, excited Trey that we were so used to in 93, 94, 95, 97, that well wasn't gone in the 98, 99, 2000 shows that we covered, but there was definitely a need for a reset. Um, and you hear it, you hear this energy, you hear that fish just broke up. Like this is six months after the show we just talked about and it's a completely different band and a completely different energy behind trey it's just absolutely wild to listen to yeah and also like you know there it's interesting because so 99 well first of all let's just go back to 98 because 98 was the the year that um trey did the um some you know solo stuff in there was the higher ground which was the eight foot eight foot fluorescent tubes which he talked about in alive again and um, he's talked about elsewhere. And then in 99, there were these like, I think pretty well-regarded tab shows. Um, you know, there's like the 930 club show that Jonathan has talked about. There's a bunch of stuff, but it's, it's kind of like a mix of Trey acoustic and then the trio. Right. So that's, it's sort of like there, he's just getting, getting used to being out on the, on the road, but this two thought that like and then 2000 you know they were busy with fish so 2001 this like winter 2001 tour is really like the first time that not only is it post fish but it's also the first time that trey's really going out on the road with a solo band for the first time i mean you could argue that he did that in 99 but that was kind of like those were kind of like little mini tours i think um compared to what he did in 2001 which was like taking this new band out on the road yeah, I mean, I think about it almost in the same way that when you, if you think about fish, like 83, 84, technically fish, but like fish really begins in 1985 when Paige joins, when so many foundational songs are written and then going into 85 and 86, like you have, that is the the bedrock of of who fish would be and who they would become. I know that Trey played his solo projects in 98, 99, to me, winter 2001, this is the start of tab. Like this is where the history begins. This is where the sound really begins. Um, this is where, and we're going to get into, you know, the, that sense of, okay, I'm jamming pretty heavily with fish. How do I jam with a bigger band? He's figuring that out in 
this tour in a way that is going to explode over the summer and is going to blow up even further in 2002, rain in a little bit in 2003 into this kind of like happy medium. But like this tour is where foundational songs are written for Tab that are going to be played for the next 20 years. Big jams are going to start to emerge in a way that, um, you know, allows Trey to have uh, an improvisation expansion on the side. Um, and that excitement that I think he was searching for is going to reemerge as well. Well, um, thank you for that context. And speaking of excitement, it's time to welcome our special guest, the original OG co-host of the Helping Friendly podcast. It's Brad. What's up, Brad? I'm what just up? an imposter. Hi, friends. <laughs> There's Shirley. Hey, what up, dude? Hey, hey Shirley. Hey, Charles. Hey, Charles. Hi, Jay and Brian. <laughs> Hi, Hello. Hey, Shirley's there. All right. Sorry. Sorry. That, and I wanted to be on at the start, but of course. But of course, that's how it goes, that. man. But yeah. we're happy to have you. We're just getting into this this 2001 um tour and brad you were i guess early 2001 we were still in columbus and you did you see any of these tab shows in 2001 i don't think i saw any of them but i'm not i don't think so positive we were we graduated in june right yeah from ohio state um and i don't i don't recall yeah what could be i don't think i saw any you didn't see any right brian was this before this is before you started seeing my Very first show right? was summer 2001 Alpine. Yeah, my my first show was summer hmm. 2001, so a few months after this tour. I was Okay. I was about 6 weeks away from receiving Bittersweet Motel for um I was still getting Easter presents uh in 2001, which tells you a bit about my age at that point in time. You know, I'd wake up and like, <laughs> they'd be like a little present. Apparently the Easter bunny still visits people in high school, but like it's it's a formative Easter, you know? Like he is risen and I get Trey. I get Trey in my life. I get fish in my life. It was one of the most consequential Sunday mornings in my life. I know. I know Ryan Storm. I think I'm pretty sure Ryan is Jewish. Ryan, you're Jewish, right? But does the do, do you still get presents from your parents? I do want to know. <laughs> I do want to know because I think I think Rob Storm is the kind Important of guy question. who would give you really awesome presents. And actually, I kind of want to join Ryan Storm's family just so because his parents are awesome. Um. And I'm just I, <laughs> a family affair for sure. <laughs> it's a family affair. Um, and I'm sorry that I don't know why we're talking about that, but I just had to. All right. So Brad, we're, we're in, we're talking about the fact that, so this is a few months after fish broke up and Trey goes out in this winter tour with horns and the whole thing. And man, it's so wild because we Meg's not here to do the whole thing, but um, I just think like this era reminds me so much of like what Trey talked about, in depth on in alive again which was like wanting to have an open jazz jam i mean surrender to the air i think sort of like was a precursor in a way but like in these shows the the horns and everything are like everything's just so like open it's like a it's like a crazy jazz jam you know there's no like structure to it really it's just like people soloing and trey fucking ripping it's just yeah Super There's a lot fun. of riffing by the horns, which which in this show I, I haven't listened to any other shows from the tour. I just listened to this this morning actually, but um, there's a lot of riffing by the horns, which doesn't necessarily happen nowadays. I don't think with the horns. Um, I I assumed Trey didn't have the little uh, 
quiet mic to their earpieces, right? Where he would tell them like when to switch keys and notes. Yeah. I don't know. He does that now the past few shows, the past few years that I've seen him, you know, he does that with the, with the mic underneath his mic or he just taps a pedal or whatever and tells them when they're going to E. Um, that, that definitely wasn't happening here. He was much more of a conductor during this period. He was like turning around and like he had hand signals to them. And I remember like when I saw them at Alpine the that summer, days. like he had like defined, yeah, that like this is what's like, this is where we're going to, this is what I want like the breakdown to be. It's just going to be Russ and, you know, the horns, or it's just going to be horns and Tony. Um, but yeah, to your point, RJ, I mean, it feels like. There's an energy here that feels both structured, which is what Fish was not by the end of 1.0. But then there's also um, uh, that openness that you're talking about. And like push on till the day is almost like the perfect that, that to me, like it opens the show. That is the constant tab song in my head. And like yeah. that uh, in the wee wee hours, uh, the way I feel towards the end of set one, and then we'll get into the jams in set two. But like you have that mix between songs like Mellow Mood, in um, uh, Mozambique, Sign Seal Deliver, yeah. like these very upbeat. Uh, you have nothing but anything that will become Pebbles and Marbles. Like you have compositions that are coming along with this that he wasn't focusing on with fish. He was basically saying like this type, that type of written material is coming to tab, but I also want to bring the jamming aspect to tab. It's, it's a very, very cool mix. Yeah. Some cool um, covers and uh, in the first set, you know, sign seal delivered, but, but back to the push on to the day opener, I was kind of expecting no horns and I was, I was like, what was this going to sound like? And then the horns came in and I was like, ah, yes. Okay. You know, the familiar place, um, but still, yeah. but still kind of raw and new. When did the Red Album uh, come out? The spring two thousand two. So this is these are all of those songs right being written, and then he's yeah. basically going to take the best and record them and give you that. Like that self-titled Trey album is just like the perfect embodiment of who he was oh, in early in the early two thousands. I love it. I it, love that. I know what I remember. I used to listen to it all, all the time. And my grandmother was in the car one time and I made her listen to it. She was pleasantly surprised. It was such a nice, I still think about it when I listen to it the, today. You know, it was like, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a album that can cover a lot of ground as far as, you know, preferences go. Yeah. And the, and the, and the, the album cover has given way to so many great memes <laughs> so many that memes. it's, it's really like just kind of un it's unending. Um, but before we get into this show, just real quick, just going kind of reverse chronological from the end of the year, because the end of the year basically was Oysterhead for like, you know, most of the fall. And then before that was the summer, which you saw, um, Brian, I listened to that, um, Alpine show with, the the, the awesome, Modesky sit-ins like throughout the you know the whole show but there's that that extended jam on burlap second pumps with just Trey and Modesky and it really is like a unique sonic experience that that everyone should check out but did the did the lineup change between the winter tour and the summer tour I can't I can never keep track of all these different iterations of tab but well the the very first show of 2001 if that's what you're talking about was the Troy with the Vermont Youth Orchestra, yeah, so there had to. I, I doubt all of them. Maybe I don't know. I'm I'm guessing. Um, yeah, let's look here. No, no, yeah, yeah I think you're right. <clears throat> but right. and then I think I think once they picked up in in Boston in February, 
because they had three three horns, right? But th- was that throughout the entire tour? That's throughout the entire sec- 2001 year. Sextet. So that's yeah, the I think that the only addition in the summer was Medeski for a few shows because Ray was out. Okay. All right. What so Brad, Brad, we got to go back to this three three two thousand one. There's also my second choice was the um, Tower Theater in Upper Derby, which is about five minutes from here. And I had lunch mm. with our friend Craig today. Old old Chillwig, who was at the Tower Theater show, and the, there's so many epic shows this February and March. But nice. this this push onto the day opener from from three three, it was so it's such a great. It's kind of like the ultimate tab song, you know. It's like the, it's, it just it's to me makes you feel tab. the tab song. Yeah, and the jam is great. Can I, can I just like ask? Um, on top of it, yeah. Did Did you walk away with any good jazz wrecks from from Craig or um, any any <laughs> any goose critiques? Anything? <laughs> I'm not going to talk about any any of his critiques, of which there were many. But Very um, privilege. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's an Osiris <laughs> advisor, so it's all very extremely yeah. confidential. But um, he, we, we did talk a lot about music, and we sat outside here. It was, mm. it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful Is afternoon. This, are the skies clear finally? The skies are clear. It looks blue, nice. and and then Good. there are white clouds, which seems normal. Um, I just feel like Trey is really like pushing this with just. I don't know this push on to the day he was really like extending it just with guitar solos which again like we, we keep like contrasting tab now with tab then but it is it's pretty remarkable that he's he's just leading the band like with his guitar playing well i think um i was surprised at the number of like three to five minute songs in this show because you don't get that a ton mm-hmm. in tab these days most most songs are eight to ten minutes and they're not going to go beyond 12 you know so I thought that was a contrast, you know, from then and now. But uh, there's a ton. There's also a ton of songs in the set list, um, which I guess you, you do get a lot with Tab nowadays. But yeah, I mean, this contrasts where they're going to go over the summer. I mean, this to me feels like it's it's. Trey talked about this, I think, in Alive Again, how Tab during this era was playing fish venues and were basically carrying the like they were booking fish amphitheaters just one year after fish went on hiatus and were expected to carry the entire organization. Like I saw a tab at Alpine Valley, which is just unheard of nowadays. He right. can't fill that, but like he could fill Alpine Valley in summer 2001. Cause people were like, well, we would have gone and seen fish, but we're just going to go see tab now. Now there's more options. Um, but I think to your point in terms of like the songwriting and what I'm trying to get at is like, there's such a fast evolution for tab where they go from this period of 20 to 25 songs in a show, a few jams to by the end of the summer tour, there's multiple 30, 40, 50 minute jam segments, 60 minute, three songs, you know, put together just back to back 20 minute jams. He's not there yet with this band. He's just introducing these songs and we find him at a really, a really interesting point here with, the tour is two shows from one show from being completed two shows um, before he takes a pretty significant break before the summer tour. But one thing that hit me about push on till the day was um, there's like a s- minimal slow build in the solo that 
reminding me in a sense of like 2000 fish. And it felt like he still was in that mindset, but he's trying to apply that to tab at this point in time. And so, I don't know, it was just like one thing that really like stuck out early on from a jamming standpoint is that he's still playing like, not like chordal style. He's not trying to like melt your face at this point in time. He's still in that like minimalist mindset and he's trying to utilize the horns, by the summer, there will be a little bit more energy there, but it was just an interesting uh, introduction to the show. I mean, so the I, I want to know like what's going through Trey's head at this point because Brian, what you said earlier before Brad joined was like he come. It's like really, really high energy. It, it feels very fresh. It feels very high energy. And I was actually just talking to Craig about this at lunch that like, I think one of the things, and we've talked about this on the show before, I think one of the things that fish is kind of like working their way through right now is like, there hasn't been a lot of new material in the past two years, three years, really like sci-fi soldier was material. I wouldn't even really consider that material to be honest. I just don't think it like feeds into their, (laughs) I don't think that it like feeds into their like improv and, you know, like I'm talking like thinking about when No Men and Mercury and Fuego and, you know, these songs that like give them new palettes to kind of jam around. It just feels like this is like a whole different kind of tray here. And it it just it feels totally different from Fall 2000. Brian, you said it's much less like groove oriented. It's much more tray like forward. And um, I don't know. It's really it's really fun to listen to. I think I agree with you, Brad, like the first set was sort of like there's a lot of a lot of songs and a lot of singing and Jen is like, you know, Jen is on the, the backup vocals and making a lot of these songs like, you know, sound a lot cooler, I think. Yeah. There's, I think there's even riffing with the, the lyrics maybe, I don't know, like there, or those are the original, you know, the original song had sort of the background or a lot of uh, different background vocals that you don't hear on the, the self-titled album or what we hear now. It's interesting as well. You talk about um, just like mentioning modern fish early on the performance of it makes no difference. A song I, I was not till until listening to this show. I haven't like, this was my first time really diving into the winter 2001 tour. I've always spent a lot of time in summer 2001, um, but Trey playing, it makes no difference. I, I, I always associated that song with the Austin city limits performance, like three weeks after Coventry where he like is just losing it on stage. And like, as a listener, I was like losing it, watching it. Um, but trace trying to sing high in 2001 versus 2021. It's amazing to think about how much his voice has improved and how much he has gotten to a space where like he can sing with a, with a range that I just don't think he was even practicing at this point in time. So he's trying to hit these Rick Danko high notes and it's just not coming through as much. Um, but it is wild to hear this song, like five months after fish goes on hiatus, like it, it clearly is a song that feels like you're reaching out to friends and you're kind of longing for something that once was there. That is, you know, it makes no difference what I actually feel at this point in time, but having that like early on in this show in between tube top flop, like a great early tab song and Mozambique, one of the classic initial tab songs. Um, I don't know. It's just, there's, there's a lot going on here emotionally that I don't feel like you were getting in late 2000 fish. Do you guys hear that? They just, yeah, they just started. uh, Well, they, I mean, I think the first time they played that song that uh, makes no differences 
February, just, you know, a few weeks right. before that. So they debuted it. Um, it's still raw. It's still kind of emotional. And yeah, I, I do think there's some emotion for Trey knowing that, you know, fish tour isn't right after this tab tour, you know? Um, and, and he's giving it his all because we know he's hyperactive and has to do that. <laughs> I w- Brian, I hadn't really thought about the, um, the, makes no difference in the Austin city limits, which, which obviously immediately makes me think of the last waltz <laughs> version. Right. It's like, it's all, all pretty heavy. Um, so anyone who listened back to the show and if you want to pretend that you weren't confused, that's fine, but nothing but an E thing. I totally forgot about this as like, that it was like <laughs> pebbles and marble. I was like listening to it and I was like, cause we were talking, we were texting about the fact that waves and a couple other songs that would come out later, like were played by tab and, something I talked to Tom about, which we should, we should talk about, but I was like, wait, they play pebbles and marbles. And then I looked and then I like read about the song and I was like, wow, I totally forgot that that was like a thing that really only through the summer of, of 2001. And then it, it was nine times total, but, it, but it's sort of a weird, I mean, it sounds weird now because it, it became a different song that we know, but there's, there's a lot of, um, and then it, it got rearranged, right. For, for another album, but kind of like it's a it's a throwback to like when pieces of fluffhead would be their own songs or you know like different different jams ended up in different places but um it was sort of like i was like wait what what the hell is this and then i had to like refresh my memory on it yeah i was thinking about that listening to um like the way i feel sidewalks of san francisco um you know these these songs that feel like they were almost stand-ins for like um just jamming exercises and to just loosen the band up and allow them to just kind of play without um you know too much pressure and and you know because so many of these songs are charted out and everyone knows their part but also then like how do we just allow the band to uh kind of experiment and i, I nothing but anything is slightly different in that sense because it is so composed and it ultimately would become pebbles. And, you know, my thought with that was kind of also this sense of what can Trey not do with fish. And they haven't written a composition since Gaiuti at this point, like late, the late nineties don't fit, don't feature a new composition coming out. It's all kind of just a song that's going to lead into a jam or it's stuff off the sick at this. That's more um, experimental in nature here like you 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 start to see and i remember this early part of the 2000s trey getting back into writing out song charts and writing out the vermont youth orchestra stuff and um writing everything that you know just three years later at bonnaroo he's going to lead a orchestra um he's going to conduct an orchestra on stage and he's going to put out um seis de mayo and you know all this stuff that is more orchestral in nature that kind of harkens back to what he was doing with Ernie Styers in the mid eighties, like nothing but anything feels so strangely it's going to become a fish song, but at the time it feels like this is a reawakening in his brain about another way that he writes music. And um, it's, it almost makes me think I'm curious your guys thoughts. Like, do you think fish 99 and fish 2000 is so experimental and so jam heavy do you think that there was a part of him that felt almost um, dissatisfied with the ability to write out charts and really test himself in this way? Do you think that that's why part of like some of these songs emerge? 
I mean, I guess just based on my last interview with Trey, which was for Undermine, I mean, I think the fact that his mind goes to 92, 93, like, you know, there there were parts of that Undermine interview that we had to cut out just because of, you know, it was just too long because he talks forever if you just ask one question. But he was like playing one of the live releases from 92 from his phone into the Zoom, like, you know, and, and reading the set list and like describing how amazing it was to look back on and see that they were playing 20, 30 originals that were all composed. And high, like, I, I think he looks back on that that era of playing everything from Big Black Fairy Creatures from Mars to, you know, You Enjoy Myself and Divided Sky all in one show as like a huge accomplishment. And I think different than what anyone else was doing. So, you know, if that's like a, like his mind goes to that era. So probably I think they like, I think he now, maybe it's because of his sobriety, but I think he, he views the late 97, you know, through 99 period as like, it was just like a party that they were participating yeah. in. I'm, I don't know how much love sure. he has for that music, you know, it's a, it's a good question, but I feel like it's a, good, it's a really good question. It's a and good this point. Too. Got him back. It's like almost cyclical in that, um, like early eighties or mid eighties when he was writing all the, you know, Junta stuff. And, and then the early nineties when there's a bunch of new fresh stuff and then they became rock stars as I think he even would admit. Right. And they were partying in between shows and partying at the shows in 97 to 99. And then maybe he, I don't know, has a realization or whatever in the, in, around now when he's like well let's write some more stuff and, and compose some more stuff and then and then um and then he wrote hands on a hard body <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny because i'm thinking about it because like you know the next few years for him are, are going to be very hard um there's no real getting around that but it is interesting i'm just kind of thinking about this in the moment how prolific and how creative he is even amidst a period of personal struggle that these songs um all his work from an orchestral side he's going to make shine he's going to form like five different bands and disassemble them and take parts and put them in different bands and like everything leading up to late 2006 he's going to constantly be tinkering with what is happening with the trey anastasio band in quotes um and so he's like, he's, he's restless. He's relentless as well. He's just trying to figure out something that works. And, you know, it doesn't feel like he's trying to figure out how to make the next fish, but it, it does sound like he has a sound and an idea in his head and he's trying to figure out how to make that all work. And it's just, it's wild to think that he could look at 97 to 2000, this era that is so revered by the fan base and, to your point, Brad, almost dismiss it as like, well, we were just participating in a party where I was my most creative was on either end of that when I was writing a ton of music that was ultimately revolutionary. I don't know. It's a lot of interpretations of what what he could be feeling, but I'm, I'm just I'm just kind one of one more thing back to, to listen to the show. interview. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Well, one more thing back to RJ's interview was that he was like, we were basically mimicking James Brown in '97. Right, so he really wasn't composing or conducting. It's a really good point. Maybe conducting the band, yeah. but like he would, they were just again having fun and and doing things that we all loved. Obviously, destroying. Yeah, them. how do we get to like a minimal groove and just ride that? Yeah, yeah, 
And I mean, we we had to cut a couple other things in in that interview, including he talked about writing some of these these songs, including "Push On Till the Day." And I, I think he described, which is not that surprising, that "Push On Till the Day" was written like from from his perspective, sitting on the the bus, um, the tab bus, which must have been, you know, I mean, it it it, it came out that year, right? They they started playing it in early two thousand one, so it must have been from the ninety nine two thousand you know, tab parties. Um, but it's all like his narrative of what's happening at the, at the tab show. So it's interesting. There's this mix of like, these songs are serious party songs, but at the same time, there is a lot of, there's a lot of uh, composition and direction, as you said earlier, Brad, like with the horns, but it's really fun to go back to. I don't listen to this stuff really at all. And I feel like I should, because this is, you know, there's some really, really good shit here. Um, can we get live fish? Can we get some archival releases of some of these tab shows? I mean, this, this would be the time I mean, when he's out with Fishman, right? Like now is the time. Brian, Brian, is, Brian is so flummoxed by this. <laughs> I'm exasperated by the fact that all of 2001 and 2002 tab is not on live fish already. I have no understanding why it's not there. Like having it on re-listen is a huge improvement over jam streams. And if, you out there are listening and you don't realize that tr- all of t- Trey's archive is on relisten now, go check it out. Cause like, Holy crap. I've got like 45 recommendations uh, at the end of this podcast of which I'm going to list every one and force RJ to end the podcast while I'm at mid recommendation. There are so many incredible jams that like will blow your, like, and I say this lovingly blow your feeble little mind. You have no idea what you're missing if you haven't heard like these summer 2001 tray jams oh my god and they should be out there they should be in soundboard quality it's amazing stuff it really it really is um so i guess that in and to glenn russell's point like lots of people can party yeah. and mimic james brown but not many can write and play divided sky and yeah and etc and i do think that's I mean, we talked about this a lot but i do think that's why trey loves you know, King Gizzard and Billy Strings and Goose. I think he sees the songs even, even you know, more than anything in those artists that he's that he's been kind of into recently. Um, all right, hey Stella, we're gonna maybe we should take a quick break and then talk about set two. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For those of you watching the live video, that was the break. Thank you. Thanks to those of you listening for supporting us. Brian, is this now the King Gizzard part of the show? Because I'm happy to just like talk mm, about how Trey got face melted on Wednesday night. Thought we were here for Goose. <laughs> I can do that too, man. I can do that as well. <laughs> this is a Goose. Is this a Goose podcast now? I feel like uh, someone. I think there was a, a review or a comment or something on on uh, internet or or one of our podcast reviews that was like, "This is this turning into a Goose podcast?" Because we like talked about we Goose need- once. We oh, need we HF Pod merch that's just HF Pod, like the logo in a farmhouse and just says, welcome, this is a goose pod. Like six people <laughs> will get it, but it'll be really funny. 
<laughs> Take my money. Take my money. You think actually, now that we've seen, we've seen Fishman wearing the Taylor Swift in a yeah. fish logo. Trey was wearing the King Giz in a fish logo. Can we Giz, put HF yeah. Pod in a fish logo? Should we have done that from the beginning? Oh, that's oh so, man. That should have been the original. Been hmm. I know. It, Wait, so yeah. a little his, history, right? RJ was like, you're at your old job. You're like, I don't know, computer person? Like your designer, yeah. Made, made, the, made the original logo. Yeah, designer, Tim Lewis. He's amazing. Like, here it is. Perfect. Let's you used it. work time to create a podcast logo too? No, I had yeah, the guy create the, uh, the original uh, <laughs> BTP logo. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we owe our we owe our company's back pay probably. Um, <laughs> this wait, oh, wait yeah. can I? You're you're yeah. about to make a point, but can I ask you a question? Yeah. Because yeah. Brad, you just um, alluded to something. It, tomorrow is the 10 year anniversary, right? Of, I think of the it start was. Of the I, was it the 10th? I think it probably was. It was the 10th or the 13th? I don't. I don't know. It was. Um, it was June 2013. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I yep. remember, and this is just coming from a fan who who wrote you guys every day asking you to let me on the podcast, and you did twice, and then you were like, "Okay, no, nobody else wants to host it, so you you can do this." Like it was it was the best job offer I've ever received in my entire life. To our defense, um, you were but, in Korea, and I was. Like, <laughs> this is true, <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I have a vivid vivid memory of waking up one day to go for a run and searching in my podcasts, like whatever the iTunes library at that point for fish podcasts. And I just, I wanted to see if there was anything out there. And the, the only, there was one that was out there that I knew of that I didn't like listening to, and I won't say anything about them. And then another one popped up and it was the helping friendly podcast. And there were two episodes and I was like, okay, are these guys actually podcasting like two episodes? But then I realized it was like, you know, a week and a half away. So I was like, okay, clearly they have some schedule, but I listened to them and I was like, this is the fish podcast for me. This is it. And for the rest of that year, like, you know, you guys put out what, like 40 episodes in your first year. It was like serious fucking work. Yeah. Like you guys were churning them out and we I was right. just listening constantly while I was, and while I I was running like overseas. It was the absolute best. <laughs> Brad, editing was not your was not why you were brought to the pod. It still isn't. It still is. I couldn't. I fuck it. Jesus, take me a fucking week. <laughs> I think it did take you a week once, and I was like, I'll just do it. Well, June June tenth, twenty thirteen was a Tuesday, so that that it's plausible that that was the day. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I happy, think happy was like every other day. Tuesday or something. Yeah, thank you. you and like, you know oh, what's yeah. you know what's funny though, I remember. The first like 10 episodes of HF Pod are on archive.org because our first podcast hosting company, remember Podomatic? Podomatic. <laughs> I do. <laughs> we had to we had to pay based on the n- number of episodes. So like at some point it was like, well, I guess we have to take some episodes off. So we like took the first 10 off and put them on archive.org because <laughs> we ran because the internet didn't have enough space. So <laughs> You know, what are you gonna do now? At this point, we have professional Exactly. I mean, I don't like. I don't know how many episodes we've done. Five hundred, a thousand. Who knows? But, but those first ten are on archive.org if you want to look at them. Actually, according to Apple Podcasts, there's five hundred and forty-nine, which is a lot. Um, That's crazy. Okay, so maybe it's tomorrow. So happy anniversary to us, Brad. Before you join, I mentioned save the date, August sixth. It's a Sunday. We're going to be in New York City. We're going to be hanging out. So, it's all. It's happening happening um guys 
This, I have the confession to make. All right, Burlap Second Pumps is great. This is not a really jammed out version, but Will It Go Around in Circles is my favorite tab cover, like by far. But it nice. but it might also be my favorite tab song. <laughs> like it's it's so fun and swinging and like, I mean, the guitar is amazing. The, the lyrics are fun. It's just such a fun song. I feel like, I don't know if this is real, but I feel like, songs like blaze on and like there there are songs that i feel like came later that like kind of are 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 imitating this style a little bit in in a good way not in like a copying way but like it's like a fun party song that's just like it's just so much fun i fucking love this song that's all it is uniquely bouncy which i think is a a, a tab staple right all of their really good songs that i want to listen to are are I'd call them bouncy and, and a lot of it has to do with Tony, right? RIP. Um, and his, his such stable, but yet, um, I, I don't, I, there, it's, it's almost dominating, even though it's not yeah. dynamic. Yeah. His yeah. Playing, um, yeah. Yeah. Straightforward, but like on top of it. And also, sorry, Brian, they haven't played it. Tab hasn't played it since 2020. So since before the pandemic, so let's let's get this back on the map. Maybe the Trey Trio will play it this weekend. Maybe. Um, although I hope that there are under fifteen songs played at each show. That is that is my dream. Um, but this song, yeah, it it was played pretty sporadically through two thousand six, and then there's a big gap from twelve thirty oh six to five thirty one twenty nineteen, and then to your point, it was last played in twenty twenty. It's it it, it kind of like when I think about the origins of tab, it's like a little bit of late night, new Orleans, a little bit of Motown, a little bit of orchestral, a little bit of King sunny day, a little bit of sun Ra. Like it's got all of that, like mixed together. And a lot of that sounds akin to fish, but is not really the areas that fish like hangs out in. And you talk about the idea of it being bubbly, Brad, like I, that's so spot on. Like, I feel like, the eternal image of Trey at a tab show is him like sweating hair everywhere, giant smile on his face, like horns going wild. Whereas like fish is always a little bit darker, a little bit more like mercurial and a little bit weirder. It almost has like more of like a King Crimson type feel to it. We'll go around in circles, like sounds like a tab song. Um, I do just want to go back one song though, because burlap sack and pumps, you mentioned this earlier, um, the version with Medeski, that is why I'm, I'm, I'm a fish fan. Like that specific 15 minute jam. Um, I got handed a goo ball at set break and I had no idea what a goo ball was when I was at my first tab show, I was 16 years old. And I was like, what is this? They're like, it's granola and pot. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I ate a bunch of it probably too much for like my feet. Like I think I just smoked pot for the first or second time, like two days before. And I just left my body and like, was just by the music. And I remember following that being like, whatever I just felt there, like that, that lack of self-consciousness, that like oneness with music and with everybody in the world around, 
Like I want that over and over and over and over again. And like, that is why I keep coming back to fish. So like, I have a very special relationship with burlap second pumps. Hearing it here, it's very tight. It's got that hypnotic groove. It kind of has like a staccato cutoff at the end. It's a really cool version, but like it's going to build over the next couple of years with Tab. And it's going to become one of like the main jam vehicles. It's just wild to hear it here. But um, oh man, just listening to this 2001 Trey sound, like it just, it takes me back to my... That's like my origins. I love it. I we RJ mentioned his favorite fish song. I think Brian, you've said yours now too. But I, I got to say, my I don't know if it's my favorite, but but my my vote to be different is drifting, and this drifting is like, oh yeah, this drifting is like very raw and new, and um, it's. Uh, it's a little bit like the lyrics seem a little bit off the cuff. It clearly hasn't been fine tuned. Yeah. Right. It's a really cool listen. I love In terms of tab songs, you're talking. Yeah. 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 Song yeah. All, uh, ever. Ever. That's, <laughs> no, that's a good call. It, there is a lot of like, it's almost like scatting or something, right? Yeah. In terms of the lyrics. Like it's not, it's not, it's not They're laid like, down. It's yeah, scatting is a good point. They're just kind of like thoughts. You just like kind yeah. of like some, you know, like short thoughts. Yeah, it sounds very much like there's, um, I don't know, there, there's a lot, there's a lot in those lyrics that are like, it just feels very, um, um, I don't know. It's almost like they they had they like cleaned it up a little bit, you know, in mm-hmm. the in the current version. But I I like this is much more raw, like you said, right? It's it's kind of like. It's got like a very unhurried and raw kind of feel to it. It's really cool. And you're right. The, and it's like 10 minutes long, right? There's like some jamming in there and it's, it's just, they're not in a hurry, which just sounds really cool. It's almost a move. Cause like drifting's like a faux ballad and it's got these lyrics that like kind of give you the sense. Like it's interesting to hear it at this point. Cause it, it almost, it always has sounded to me like Trey talking about going through something challenging and now finding clarity. And it's, it's kind of tough to listen to that in 2001, knowing with hindsight what's ahead. Um, but like musically, you know, anyone who wants to log off after I say what I'm going to say, I totally understand. But it, it kind of, it's it's a goose move where it's a ballad that jams. And, and most driftings are in the nine to 12 minute range where there's not like a, a type two jam, but there's enough of like like this this kind of reminds me of the jam in the middle of the push on till the day from earlier in the show where it's kind of sublime it's kind of quiet it builds towards this peak he just he takes his time with it which sometimes with fish ballads they get right to the emotional part of it without giving it space and i wish sometimes that they would expand and jam a little bit on those ballads yeah that's totally fair um brad thanks for bringing up Drifting. That's a good, it's a good, good one here. I think, I mean, I just want to go to the sand, but is there anything else to, to talk about before we get to the sand? I just want to shout out sidewalks of San Francisco and either Sunday. Those are just like two classic old tab songs. Like sidewalks of San Francisco has some huge, huge versions uh, from the summer. Either Sunday is one of my favorite album closers of all time. Like, it just, it feels like you've reached the end. It's like an exhale, a vibe to it. Talk, singing about Sunday morning and like, just like the joy of that. Um, 
So I don't have much to say outside of that. I just want to at least have those noted on the board as we're talking about this show. They're on the board, dude. They're on the board. Um, Brad. Gotta go in order. Gotta go in order. Brad, this, this sand is ridiculous. It's like you, you, you texted me growling guitar after I wrote growling guitar in my notes. So like clearly <laughs> that was a similar feel, but like 10 minutes into this sand, there's like the swirling effects. There's the growling guitar. And then there's like this horn line that sounds improvised but they're in sync with each other that just gets you like moving it's like a really pretty incredible um you know four or five minutes and i don't know it's just incredible i'll I'll jump in before brian says smart things and and that is um i think the horns like four or five minutes in are the precursor they don't they're almost the leader to that like growling effect or those like that like awesome awesome loop that they kind of chase for the for the last 12 minutes of the song or whatever and and like you said maybe it's maybe it's composed or maybe it's um improvised but uh i really think the horns start the jam after the lyrics and then the you know the back end of the the composed song Yeah, I had I didn't have growl, but I had swirl. Uh, so so we're we're all kind of in that Venn diagram of of hearing specific sounds and and and, and dirty as well. So I, I said dirty as well. Dirty as well. I, I wrote in all caps, just like energy and groove out the gates. Like sand and first tube are wild because those are the two songs that got a jaboo, I guess, as well. Those are the songs that straddle fish and tab like they felt like tab songs when they became fish songs but they also like feel like fish songs when you're hearing them with tab i, mean, I remember when i saw tab and the encore with first tube i was like i finally saw a fish song holy shit um but like sand you know has this just like it works perfectly with uh um like the the vibe of tab it works perfectly with where fish was jamming five months earlier but that horns around like 11 minutes and the swells that are coming out of Trey's guitar, like it sounds like shoegaze. It almost feels like you can see six to 12 months into the future of where Tab is going to go and how the jams are going to become um, a little bit more dystopian. The jams are going to take on more noise. They're going to take on more of a wall of sound approach to them. Um, And he's going to kind of push into like the limits of what this band can do as it becomes an octet, as it, you know, this, he talks in alive again about, he always heard tab as this like freight train. That's just like moving down the tracks and nothing can stop. It. And it's just like this collection of people just moving really, really quickly. And you hear the origins of that sound in this sand that is going to add something else to the Motown, New Orleans, Sun Ra type of thing that we were talking about a few minutes ago. Brad was right. Brian's going to say smart stuff about this. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Um, um, one more thing, Tony, yeah. right. He's got a little bit of a different tone and effect with the, with, with the baseline. It, and it dominates. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And it always brings you back to home base or whatever you want to say. Um, even though the jams are incredible and out there. It's like there's like the occasional bass bomb in there from Tony that just like it's like you know yeah. just, I, like I, rock I just realized, 
not too long ago that Sonos now plays Relisten. I think it's been a few months, maybe a year. I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I was listening to it in the, in my house, and I thought there was like a teenager out front with like bass in their car, right? But it was it was during the sand jam. But it, it was Donny. I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> he was the perfect basis for this. I mean, for for all of Tab, but like especially for this era, just his ability to commit to a solid groove play um you know play stuff that i think mike probably had took issue with like playing the same sand riff over and over and over again for 17 minutes tony kind of found like a sense of pride in that and and there was almost a a duty to just like keeping the groove as solid as possible and you just there, this is this band isn't this band without tony um yeah and he helped he helped put he helped with some of these songs right sand and first tube in particular right like he was he was there sack and pumps i think too. yeah he was there like when those were written so they're kind of written for for him for for us by us as it were um sorry brian go ahead fubu can we talk about the uh misprint on the re-listen tracking that that tracks the quadraphonic toppling it's just like this song just like emerges and drops in places that it doesn't actually exist. I got so excited. And even fast forward to this, when I listened to this show, I just listened in order. And it's really just like the Cypress loop that you hear like that, like, you know, whatever the 3am loop that Trey came up with that ultimately led into quadrophonic toppling. It's like some of the creepiest music he's ever made in, in real time, mm-hmm. kind of some haunting background, like a whisper. And then it fades away. It's really more just, just like an encore break than anything, but I want—I don't want to say I was disappointed. I more just like laughed at the person whoever tracked this. Um, it just—it was, it was humorous to me, but I was also like, man, I really wanted to hear what Trey playing quadraphonic toppling in thousand one sounds like. Yeah, yeah, it's not the same. It's awesome. I don't think what do you think I don't think it's there's a lot of there's a lot in here well so I just want to say quickly I, Brian to your point it reminds me of like the <clears throat> sorry to do this again to everybody but it reminds me of Goose playing Dripfield and then like leaving leaving the stage and then coming back on and finishing Dripfield that's like what this you know kind of like it just it was just sort of like a sound soundscape sort of thing but um, I, I was going to ask you guys the same thing. Maybe I'm, I could just be like bad at this stuff, but like, I don't really care about like acoustic songs. <laughs> like, I don't know. Is that just me? Am I just like a bad, a bad fan? There's not, there's not much jamming that goes on. Arjan, I think you're here for the jams. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm here I for mean, the there jams. is not much jamming in the acoustic songs. It's so true. Maybe that's my thing. Brian, what's your take? <laughs> I think the commentary is the best part. Because, mm. like, his story about why he wants to play Strawberry Fields forever, that he, he heard it recently, he realized how beautiful it was when it was stripped down and wanted to highlight how beautiful it is without the, quote, stuff on it. That's <laughs> fascinating <rolled>. to me. <laughs> That's fascinating to me. Like, that is amazing to me to hear Trey listen to music the same way that like I listen to music and be like, did you hear this version that like did this? And, and, you know, 
some someone who doesn't care that much about music is probably going to go back and listen and be like, well, it's just an acoustic strawberry fields. And to that person's point, it's just an acoustic strawberry fields. Like, like Trey, this kind of gets back to like what I was talking about with like Trey's voice on it makes no difference. I want to hear like 2023 Trey try to do this because he can sing these notes with more resonance and it's, it would be prettier now. It's, it's a little rough around the edges and it kind of speaks to, um, cause he talks about it when he goes into back on the train that he's been listening to the anthology series. And it's wild to think of Trey leaving behind his band the same way that the Beatles left themselves behind. And he's going back and listening to all these Beatles songs and realizing how perfect they are as he's setting off on his own. And there's like a weird parallel there. Um, but you know, his fascination with like the Beatles production versus just the songs that were written, I think is the best part of this encore break. Um, aside from we'll get into it when we talk about the last two songs, but I'm, I'm on the same page with you. Like it felt special, especially in the moment. Cause you didn't get this at fish shows, but I think it's worn off a little bit. Like every tab show I've seen has had an acoustic encore and it's nice to hear like mountains in the mist just stripped down, but it's also like to Brad's point, you, we all just want to hear the jams. Acoustic army was never, something I was looking for on the, on the, the tape that we got in the mail. You know what I mean? I mean, it's fun and it's good. Yeah. But like, yeah. You know. it was, it's a good point. It's like, okay, well, I guess this is the end of this set. Um, <laughs> that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but now in, in trade, to be fair, has <laughs> like built, built the storytelling into a whole minor industry with his with his solo acoustic shows it's basically just him story time with troy yeah yeah with like songs in between i mean it's fucking amazing um all right brian we are we are at the end but i i intuit that you have things to say about the the end of this encore i do well first and foremost um continue with the theme of mislabeling songs but i I learned while listening to this um (laughs) this is Radon Balloon is labeled as Waves, which as Trey tells the story, he wrote this on a boat in the British Virgin Islands with Tony. Um, and he, he introduces it at Waves as Waves, which is interesting because Waves is going to actually be a fish song in 15 months. Um, but, you know, there's a couple moments that I really like. Um, he thanks the audience for their patience being open to so much new music. You know, um, there's a, there's a, there was a comment you know, in, in the chat today about how there was a hunger for fish and you've got to imagine going into 2001, there were a lot of people that were like, they're going to play this year. Right? They're not going to take a full year off. And so when Trey is playing these shows and he's not playing any fish songs, that's a lot for people to take in. Um, so he was, he was really gracious and really thankful that people showed up and stayed for the full show. Um, says that the next show is the last show of the tour. And it just struck me that he said, hopefully we can play again soon. You know, who knows where the band is going to go at this point in time. Obviously they're going to play this huge summer tour, fall tour, big summer and fall in 2002, 2003 before it ultimately comes back. Um, But he also, before at the gazebo, he says that this song was written a year prior. And this struck me. He was waiting for the right band to play it with. And he pauses and says, this is the right band. And it kind of makes me think about everything we were talking about with like Trey's compositions, because at the gazebo, nothing but anything, even a song like Last Tube, 
push on till the day has like parts where like charts are written out. Like these are songs where he's really thinking about like, how do I write this song out in a way that a, 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 a horn section, multiple drummers can play along with, and then jump off into potential jam. And he knows at this point in time, fish is not that band. Fish is not going to play a song like, Fish just doesn't have the parts to play at the gazebo. And it really struck me listening to it, how much he is realizing in the moment he made the right decision to go off on this new band, that he made the right decision to put fish on a break, channel his creativity in a completely different direction. And you hear it out of like a song like at the gazebo is just like heartachingly beautiful. I love it. I agree. It's a it's a really nice ending, and I'm I, I'm glad I listened to it. But again, you know, it, I don't think the acoustic tray band is what we're what we're having the podcast about. But um, uh, what remind me again? So fish comes back the end of twenty or two thousand two, right? But like between now two thousand two, yeah, right between now and twelve thirty one oh two, they play winter, summer, fall. 2001 and they yeah. play how many tours in 2002 two summer fall and then fish comes back but tab still does a like a small summer tour it's like a 10 show run in late may early june and then yes. i don't believe that tab tours again in fall 2003 but sounds right what i what don't believe so. great though i mean what a great way to fill that almost two year block, you know, of yeah. time with four, four, a bunch of tray shows. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And there's, there's a lot that happens in tab. I mean, between now and, and the end of 2002, just in terms of the, the songs. And I think there was like some crazy, crazy partying going on and some evolutions in the band. And, you know, I think it was like pretty wild time to be, to be part of that scene, but you know, all's well that ends well guys, including this episode, um, Brad as, as the most special guest. Thank you. Oh, Brian, <laughs> please go. You, you can I, I just posted this in the comments. Okay. <laughs> I'll put oh, this on the, on the screen. <laughs> You're just going to put it on the screen. Um, can I, can I just pull out a few of these to, to, to yeah. highlight? I, I went I'll on put a, these in the show notes also. But send Thank them to you. me so I can put them in the show notes. Absolutely. I went I went on a Trey Bender over the last week and I listened to just like nonstop 2001 Trey. As craziness. you're not going to the Trey show tonight. It's so ironic. I know it's crazy. I'm I'm, I'm full of irony. But, um, you know, King Gizzard, they were so um, But uh, I just want to highlight a few choice jam recommendations for if anyone out there is like this was an interesting conversation i think these guys know like 30 percent of what they're talking about maybe i should listen to other jams and see what nobody. it's about the, the, two, the 224 jabu the um 720 last two. Wait, are you really going through all these not everyone i'm just going through a few choice ones okay the 720 okay. last okay. tube which 2001 do you know where this is from now riverport the Riverport Amphitheater. Do you know what happened at the Riverport Amphitheater almost three years to the day prior? Yeah. You you know. Yeah, the Riverport yeah, Gin. Gin, yeah. yeah. This is three years later, a 23-minute uh, yeah. last tube to open the show. Trey had to know something like that. 
Don't, Probably don't didn't. fuck with me, bro. Um, oh, damn it. <laughs> The, history, the seven, the seven twenty six, the seven, <laughs> the Mr. Completely, which is forty eight minutes long. The forty eight minutes twenty seven burlap second pumps, which is forty eight minutes, which is thirty minutes long. The seven twenty nine alive again, which is twenty two minutes plus money eleven change is thirty two minutes. Um, and then here's the last one. This is just amazing stuff. Seven thirty one. A live again into last tube is 50 minutes of jamming to close out set one. And then they open set two with Jabu into a jam for 50 minutes of jamming. Just insane, insane exploration that's going to happen. There's even more. I'm not going to list them all to you, but there's such out there. Again, listen, check it out. Shapiro, let's get stuff released on soundboard, huh? 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 <laughs> this is Shapiro. Um, this is a this is a um, Brian. You buffered a tiny bit there, but I'm gonna. I, will you send me the full list so I can put it in the show notes because this is very important. And thank you. Um, I'll send you the full so, list. So, okay. I feel like I picture Brian has like the like all of these jams on a on a board with like the the yarn in between them. It's like, and then pointing to them like, and then quantity, and then they went into quantity. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brad, thank you for joining us. Everybody, thanks for listening. We're going to be back next week. We're going to talk about a non-tray show from 2002. And um, hopefully we'll see Brad again. Brad, Brad has an open invite. It's a, Basically, we hold a chair at the table for Brad every week. And um, you're welcome to come back anytime, Brad. I appreciate it, man. It was fun. Um, and, and appropriate that, according to Brian, this is exactly 10 years to the day or tomorrow will be. If you're listening on June 10th, then it'll be 10 years of the day. So thank you for your support. All right, everybody. See you soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.